0: Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with Divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the Sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Jen, and I stand in the great divide. Am I a millennial or a Gen Xer? No one is sure, but I can confirm that I'd rather text than talk, I'm highly competitive, and always find time for my run. So, you decide.
1: I'm Laura, and I'm here to own my Gen X status. Seriously, why doesn't anyone ever want to talk about us? I know we aren't as exciting as the other generations and we're very flexible, but we have needs too. In this series, we're going to put our humorous and practical take on how to tackle team building and diversity in a workforce that is made up of five different generations. To be frank, we're tired of millennials and Gen Xers getting a bad rap, and we're also equally annoyed by folks dismissing our traditionalists and baby boomers. And the Gen Xers are tired of being caught in the middle. This topic is ripe for fresh thoughts and some discussion on how all five generations contribute. Let's focus on the positive from each generation and recognize that our melting pot needs a dash of all generations to get results. Let's go. welcome to our generations in the workforce episode and really our series jen i've been pushing for this one i'm excited about it partially because i think we have a unique take here on how to discuss dealing with these five generations in the workforce and i'm going to start by just getting real right out of the gate and say Let's talk about ageism, and maybe not the way everybody would expect, but I figure, you know, elephant, room, you and I, let's go. Ageism is for real up in here. Am I losing it, or would you agree?
0: No, I absolutely agree. I just... I'm laughing because as soon as you said the way everybody's thinking, all I could think is that my head goes straight to the office episode, and Michael Scott learning about ageism. So that was where I feel like if you were referring to, you know, everybody's head went to him talking about, you know, how they couldn't use technology. So anyway, no, I'm a hundred percent with you that we need to talk about it. We need to name it because it is a thing.
1: Well, what I really want to name, and I'm just going to call it out right now, is that I think ageism exists in many, many, many forms. So like that beloved office episode, excuse me, where Creed dyes his hair black to try to avoid the ageism, (laughs) um, it is a good one. I think that we often think about ageism in the form of people discriminating against those who are older, and maybe aren't those digital natives so often we think of it in combination of older and in the workplace that starts to imply comfort with technology very quickly right Mm -hmm. but I think there's another kind of ageism that has crept into our culture that I want to call out because we're going to tackle it over the course of this series and that is specifically maybe it's reverse ageism um (laughs) it's specifically crapping all over millennials and Gen Zers. I can't (laughs) come up with a professional way to say it. I'm just saying it. That was for That's our loyal crazy. listeners who are always waiting for me to say something terribly. <laughs> there, You got it within three minutes this episode. You're welcome. We you can I, you mark can it tell. on the bingo card.
0: You can tell Laura is coming at this topic with energy and some need to talk about it because it's true. Like there is there has been a pervasive strand and pervasive, I think, for at least the last decade of. Of boomers, and you know, of course, that in itself is one of the names we use to talk, usually derogatorily, about one of the generations. But boomers really pushing back against the millennials and the Gen Zers, and just you know, again, in some ways, to use more of the verbiage, canceling them as you know, they're lazy, they're incompetent, they don't want to work
1: hard, yada yada yada. I would like to offer a disclaimer that we will not be covering cancel culture on this podcast episode. (laughs) Do not send your hate mail to my address.
0: Sorry, it just, you know, it's appropriate. I'm having
1: some fun with you because that's what I do. But I think it's really worth us acknowledging. And I like the way you said that, even though I pulled a Chandler and cracked a joke. I think that um, you're absolutely right. And we all have this tendency to just question that which is not ours. Mm -hmm. So in the case, even I think about a boomers in general, right? So the boomer generation is quite beloved and talked about so much. I can remember being in junior high school and doing reports on the baby boomer generation and how they have changed us. So it's really fascinating as I get into a slightly older category now to start to see how these other generations come behind, but specifically, What I also think about is the fact that, you know, we all have places we judge, right? So the great boomer generation still does this thing where they question a millennial's commitment to work for example because they want flexible hours or maybe their a millennial's idea of work isn't confined to the four walls of an office right Mm -hmm. in the same way a millennial will turn around and throw use of technology back at the traditionalists or the boomers as an issue these aren't new issues for us except i do think that one of that we hope we're getting the point across to everybody that we need to be willing to look at this from all angles this is not a boomers versus millennials this is not a millennials versus gen zers or gen xers this is a we all need to acknowledge that there are benefits and downsides to each generation that comes to the workplace and instead of spending energy complaining about what we don't like about the other generations it's time to grab on and use those things as a strength or better yet, to our team's advantage.
0: Yes, because too many times, we do want to use generations as a divide. And I even want to go ahead and step on some toes here as we start this conversation. One of the reasons I think everybody likes talking about generations in the same way that we like talking about personality tests is we want whatever ours is to be understood. We love getting to talk about, you know, our generation or our personality type or our Enneagram or whatever it is, we get really excited about that. And part of where you and I want to push in this a little bit is that we need to spend a lot more time getting excited about what the generations that are not ours have to offer, because it's only as we understand the mix that we get to maximize the potential. We can do so much better than the conversation we've been having for years
1: on generations. So let's talk a few numbers. I don't do this often on the podcast, but I'm gonna get my nerd out a little bit today. With credit to Purdue University who has whose um, business department has done a lot of really good research in this area They're stand out to me when you start to do research. Um, With credit to them, a couple statistics, because I think it's worth understanding how real this issue is. Right now we have five generations in our workforce, a lot of times I think it's really easy to go yeah but only one of them and it's usually the one you identify with is really dominating in the workforce, so let's be serious. Are traditionalists, so these are folks that were born before 1945. So not a lot, but still two percent of our current workforce is represented by that group. To them, I say, you must be exhausted, but God bless you for sticking around to tolerate all of tolerate all of us, and um, and to pass on your wisdom. Right behind them at 25% of the workforce is this baby boomer generation. So Jen, that one really opens my eyes very quickly. 25% of our current workforce. And these are folks that are legitimately close to retirement age. So it tells you so much about that generation that they know they have more to give and they wanna keep giving um, as much as they can. I think that our parents exemplify that. I know a lot of people in their, um, amongst their friends and family group that certainly exemplify that. Now here's where it gets interesting, 33% of of um, our generations are Gen Xers in the office. So again, a big chunk, but still not like a dominant as you maybe would have expected, or maybe I expected because I am a Gen Xer, showing my own bias in that way. And then 35% millennials. And that one really makes me go, whoa, because we still talk a lot about the fact that millennials are this emerging force to be reckoned with. There's nothing emergent about this, guys. They are here, they are staying, they are working, they are contributing. Let's get over it and learn how to take the best advantage of what they have to offer us with their unique grounding and their unique capabilities. Um, And then finally, 5% of the workforce is Gen Z. Stick that one in your pipe and smoke it. That's fascinating, right? These are young (laughs) kids. I know, I can't believe I just said that.
0: This is amazing. We're gonna play a game later of guess, if we hadn't started here at the time, it would be guess our generations based on the verbiage. (laughs)
1: I'm clearly a Gen Xer and we all know it. So um, Gen Z, 5%, and that one blows me away because that essentially is my teenager in the workplace, right? Which by the way, everybody is happening right now. I am one of those parents that's watching my teenager and doing things so differently as they approach the workplace, How they, what they consider an interview to get a job, um, what they're looking for an employer to include things like sustainability and responsible citizenship, right? Like they, they completely approach this differently. Um, as they enter the job market their second question is usually about pay much to my chagrin the first ones are about like you know do you recycle your pens i mean that's what they're thinking about and i think it's fabulous and so much to come from that gen so that was a little bit of grounding in stats in a nerdy but with a couple offhand comments to make it more fun way but i think it's really good to wrap your head around the fact that our workforce isn't just diverse on paper, it really is diverse in these ages. There's not one group that significantly dominates and all five generations are meaningfully represented.
0: That was really interesting and I'm glad you threw out those numbers, Laura, because it pushes against some of the early rhetoric too. I remember when the millennials were really entering the workforce There was a lot of research out there that talked about how quickly they were going to overcome and dominate the workforce. It hasn't happened that way, in part because of what you talked about with boomers sticking around longer. They haven't exited as quickly, which means we still have this really strong combination of different, and again, they said that millennials would kind of eat up the Xers and jump right over them. But the fact that you're talking about 33% and 35% shows, again, really strong mixture. And I think it's important to have that mental picture as we have this conversation. This isn't a passing thing. With it being such a strong combination, that means for a long time to come, we're gonna have a pretty even, um, a pretty good mixture
1: which is really exciting because then you start to think about what these different generations bring to the workplace and you would hate to lose lose any of those. um, characteristics and opportunities that come with each of them, I mean i'll tell you, I can get almost emotional, particularly around the traditionalists, a lot of them are not maybe engaged full time actively in the workforce anymore, I did name that as a 2% group, however these are the mentors that are still out there, right? These are the folks, I think about our dad and how he invested um, and was investing in multiple mentors. Um, And I think about mentors that are in my life, in my area and profession. These are folks that are so dependable. They understand loyalty and they have Seen it all, quite frankly, when you think about the time frame in which they have lived. And so that seasoned professionalism that they bring and that experiential base that they have is so valuable to anybody and everybody. So we're really going to start to dig into, okay, where can you go extract as much as you can from those traditionalists? And by the way, respond to the loyalty that they've shown for many generations by showing them some um, Mm -hmm. as they make their graceful exit from the workforce, right? How do we let them exit for grace? Because I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm most disappointed Pointed in and I'll put this on my generation's shoulders but as as these younger generations come through we've not shown this particular generation the respect that they deserve for what they've done for all of us in forging the path ahead and we'll get more into that with some specifics in the weeks to come but nothing we're doing today could have been done without the work that these folks did we still talk about the assembly line and the Model T and that's for a reason
0: yeah. Well, and I mean, to play that out as we go through as well, I mean, we think of ourselves as Gen Xers and then especially millennials and then obviously Gen Z as the digital, you know, the the digital natives and everything else. But everything that we as those generations have learned to use and manipulated, all of the pieces were created <laughs> by both the boomers and the traditionalists. I mean, those pieces of technology exist because of their work. We just we figured out how to use them in such drastically different ways and advance them. Um, But the the actual nuts and bolts of that technology goes back to those generations.
1: So all due respect, and we're going to keep bringing that up because it's important. I think, you know, boomers, we talk about a lot, right? So they aren't digital natives. Could we all get over that already? I mean, my mom's a killer on the computer. The, I, it does not matter if these boomers are not digital natives. Just because you weren't a native doesn't mean you can't use it. And in fact, you have a very mature approach to the use of these digital things. But what comes with a boomer is that incredible worth, work ethic and self assuredness that they've grown up with. Um, The fact that they're very focused on goals, which has a nice counterbalance to generations that are a little bit more flexible to the point of sometimes losing sight of goals, right? They're very oriented towards team instead of individual. There's so much good here and I like to think is of boomers as they've probably peaked with their presence in the workforce but they're still very high these folks are our glue like this is the backbone that everything is getting built on at this point right they're still very present they provide us that strength that dignity that experience they really are the whole package and because they're so determined they have a willingness to learn things like whatever crazy app we throw at next right there's a willingness to learn there that is phenomenal so I think there's so much to be said that's positive about that generation and our greatest opportunity is to keep looking at that and then also encourage them to turn from their workaholic ways and join us a little bit more in this work-life balance conversation right so there's some giving some take
0: yes yeah because that is of course the biggest reason that in some ways as younger generations have tried to put them out and dismiss them is, oh yeah, but you know, they're just a bunch of workaholics and they had no idea how to to do these things that we're figuring out. Yes, but let's keep learning from what they did bring.
1: Amen, sister. So Gen Xers, this is currently estimated to be the largest part of the workforce by 2028 so we are well on our way with that right Mm -hmm. but largest part of the workforce by 2028 which is interesting to me because we're i'm actually fascinated to see how that evolves in the years to come and i understand that statistics are statistics but one of the things to me that's really interesting about gen x is that this is a really independent and flexible generation Um, but it's also a generation and i'm part of it acknowledging it that only wants to do those things that are worth it So I think we're going to see this generation consider things like early retirement, making the side gig into their full time job um, to ride their way to retirement might be a better way to say that. Right. We're going to see this generation do, I think, some really interesting things in the next few years. And it's very hard for me personally to talk about because I realize that I'm sitting here staring at my mid 40s and that the word retire is no longer something that's a joke. It's actually like, you know, something that the money's being saved for and realistic. planning needs to start taking place right where are we headed how long are we going to do this um but still with lot, but still with an incredible amount of runway given the healthcare systems we live in today the way that we are focused on a little bit more balance so we're starting to learn to deal with burnout better which is going to be an advantage for the longevity of gen xers this is going to be a fascinating and i actually think that while this is kind of the silent generation there's going, to be a lot, there's going to be a lot to learn and a lot of change that is absorbed by this silent generation.
0: Absolutely, and I think that we have to own this generation for what it actually is, Laura. This is the Oregon Trail generation. This was a generation raised on having the decision between hunting or traveling. And I I say that humorously, but I do think it points to some of that. This is a generation that's comfortable with the mentality of things can change and I can make a different choice and I can go a different direction, but I'm going to work for whatever I've got. And so I'm eager, like you're saying, I think it'll be interesting to see where the Gen Xers go, because immediately on their heels, we do have the millennials and the millennials have been one of the most talked about generations and the most, you know, analyzed, critiqued. And only now are we getting to the really good information on who they are as collaborators and focusing on impact um, more so than experience numbers. They've changed the metrics. It's a very competitive generation, but also a generation that refuses to be identified in in the ways they don't wanna be identified. So it's it's very it's going to be a very interesting mix to see how the millennials respond to the choices the Gen Xers are going to make.
1: No doubt about it. I think it's also notable for the millennials that they've been shaped by a very unique what I believe is a unique set of circumstances. Right. So these are persons that were born um, at a time when the internet was really taking off. Right. So which sounds crazy to talk about now, but. That's the time when they were born, when we were all figuring out how to maybe order something online every now and then, as opposed to telling the box in our kitchen to order stuff online every 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, this is also the generation that was born into or grew up in a what I'm going to call post 9-11 world. So, And we just came through the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but you think about it. These are folks that were born as their parents were grappling with what 9/11 meant um, to us as a nation. And it really changed and shifted our focus and put us into, you know, our approach to the world stage, our approach to how we think about each other, some of the wariness that's evolved in our culture since then, right? Um, it really is a very interesting time that they grew up in. Um, even I hate to be too dark about it. But right, these are folks that grew up when we were all trying to reconcile what happened to Columbine and events Mm -hmm. like that that followed in our minds, right? So there's a little bit of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that crept into our minds. Some of the optimism was starting to get wiped away from the American mindset. Um, And these folks have had to reconcile that in a really, really um, fascinating way. And what's been interesting is they've approached that by instead of shying away from it, they're very, they're civic-minded, right? They really do think about how they can, help their community they're but they're still competitive and want to and want to achieve things it's a really beautiful blend in this group and that's why i think it's so important that we learn to harness and work with this team because there's so much power to be had here
0: yeah so much okay laura i you've been you've been hitting a lot of this but i really want you to finish it out for us too with gen z because i feel like this is one i'm still trying to get my head around and meanwhile like you said you have three that you are raising and one that you're about to launch and so talk talk a little bit about what gen z is about to introduce
1: well they're just terrifying um i'm just (laughs) like a mom (laughs) just that's the mom in me speaking um it really is such a fascinating generation First and foremost, and this I'm actually struggling to reconcile right now. Had you asked me a year ago, what are the defining characteristics of Gen Z, I would have said these are kids that don't see borders. So the this is not the world. The globe is their oyster, so to speak, right? right? They think of the entire globe as accessible. I have a friend who launched a kid last year who's going to school. Internet, like These kids don't think anything of saying, I'm going to look into the University of Scotland, right? right. Makes me want to smack them, but they don't think anything of it. <laughs> it's a really fascinating however in the last year or so i think they're watching us start to reconcile a world for them where regionalism is going to come back into play more mm-hmm. what is happening right now with our global dynamic and really this is brought on by the pandemic and some economic predecessors that were that were um pronounced by the pandemic, right? We're going back to a world where people are talking about regional and local supply chains. What is your carbon footprint? Is this truly accessible? Um, You know, the conversation is shifting very, very quickly. So I'm interested to see how this global mindset generation that's also very entrepreneurial um, and reconciles all of that. And then let's be frank, these are the kids that came out of the womb holding an iPhone. So they do have focus issues that come from some of that. It The research says it. this is not yeah. the mom speaking, right? Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> But it sounds funny to say, right? They, they have issues with focusing. And yet what's phenomenal to me is, despite that, so sometimes I do watch my kids. I'm like, you got 47 things going. This isn't multitasking. This is like a whole other level of what's going on. <laughs> but all of it's happening on their phone screen. So you can't even tell what's happening. And yet I'm watching them deliver good grades. I'm seeing them achieve things I never would have thought possible, right, they have figured out how to start to put some of this technology to good use in order to be successful with it as a tool as opposed to a distraction. So I'm nothing short of obsessed with this generation, what they're gonna do. And I think there's a whole story yet to be written because of what the pandemic is going to have done. So for them and for the generation that's following on their heels, how are they gonna reconcile a global pandemic that's going to have ended, that will have easily been a two-year event for our globe, give or take, right? How are they gonna reconcile that into into their worldview?
0: Yes, and that's going to be extremely interesting. So, you've kind of walked us through the five generations that are currently in the workplace. One, still pretty new entries, but as Gen Z starts to make their way in, much like I'm on a generational divide, I feel think my kids will pan out into whatever we call after Gen Z. And like you said, that's going to be a group that ends up being shaped by this pandemic, by the diversity hardships um, that Black Lives Matters, that George Floyd, like all of that, that our, our culture is currently in the mix of is shaping that next group and how that pans into what they bring to the workforce is going to be incredibly interesting but laura thank you for walking us through that because i think this is going to be really important the next couple weeks as we talk about how we balance our understanding of different generations with our ability to see past generational differences and all make a beautiful productive mixture in the workplace so we're going to take a quick break and head to some real talk On today's Real Talk, we are going to introduce the book that will go with this month's discussion. And I'm really excited about this one. I had not heard of this one until Laura put it in front of me. And I have to say, normally Laura and I try to read these as we go so that we don't end up making too much of the series the book, but instead coming on the tail end and letting it speak into and even against some of our thoughts. But I have already jumped into this one, and it's so good that I'm pushing pretty quickly through it. But this month's book is called Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder by Chip Conley. Laura, where'd it come from and why'd you pick it?
1: So I'm really excited about this book. Chip Conley is a highly successful entrepreneur that made his niche in the hospitality industry. And then the kind of fascinating part of his story, let alone being a successful entrepreneur, is that in 2010, he sold his company. And at the age of 52, he joined Airbnb. So this would be I know right now we all sit here like Airbnb is just How we get places to stay but there was a time when it was a radical concept and it's still a growing concept right he joined airbnb in 2010 as their global hospitality and strategy head so walked away from his own company and went and joined this very diverse crew. And he self describes the fact that, you know, at the time, he didn't even have an Uber app. And he isn't one of those digital natives, as the term gets used, right, he kind of just dove in with this crazy concept, and found, and here I quote, he says, he found that many of these young digital leaders are being thrust into positions of power with little experience or guidance. So what he found quickly is there's this incredible opportunity and niche for folks that are in his position that have had these successful careers to date and now have the opportunity to proactively guide and mentor and lead to prepare a next generation for leadership, a generation that, and I don't want to sound judgmental, but some of these folks are falling into leadership positions, right? These are the kids that have a fabulous idea that goes crazy and they don't have any experience in how to necessarily run a business right you go from something that was really fun to code in your garage and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have a huge business i think about on the show parks and rec and the grizzle guys that are skateboarding around the office (laughs) which is an unfair characterization but i think makes the point right Mm -hmm. so i think it's really awesome and part of what he does in this book is talk about how we have this generation of older workers that have really invaluable skills right they have good judgment that they've learned through experience. They've developed massive networks of people that they know, which is so important to get work done. They have very specialized knowledge in the places that they've spent time. And even interestingly, they have a really high EQ, right? They know how to react to and respond to people and mold their messaging. So I'm really excited about this book and I hope that all of you will join us in reading it because I think it's going to kind of flip some of this on our heads. A lot of times when we approach the generations conversation, we're trying to talk with how do we handle the millennials? And what we're going to do here, we're obviously going to spend some time during our podcast series on this, but this book is also going to help us tune into what is our opportunity to, as he says, make the modern elder in our workplace so please pick up a copy of chip chip conley's book wisdom at work the making of a modern elder and we'll look forward to talking to you all about it in a couple of weeks laura we're back
0: and i'm ready because you have all of my attention in this generation conversation and really ready to have a new conversation because as we fully acknowledged people have been talking about generations forever we think it's time for a fresh look at the interplay of the five generations that are currently in the workforce. And so we wanna talk next about how do you build a team of gen busters? Now that sounds funny because it used to be a thing to talk about the busters and the boomers and we've got generation Z and X, but how do we build a team that is not limited by these generational differences, but in fact, maximizes them to be an unstoppable force. And so Laura, I'm going to throw it to you with let's build a list. We both like lists. So let's build the start of a list of what we need to focus on to build that kind of team
1: so let's just acknowledge right off the top that you do need technical skills to be competitive in this day and age there are very 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 few exceptions to that i think we could agree right Mm -hmm. so you do need to have technical skills what i will say is that you don't just need the skill to do those things which are technical you also need to know how to translate and utilize those things that tech provides so it's mo- It's not as simple as it comes across, right? So this isn't about just having someone who's really good with their computer. Mm-hmm. Being really good with your computer is also about making something that is usable. And I wanna underscore that because I think this is a place where you're gonna see the generational blend. We have some folks that are whiz kids with the data sets, so to speak, right? And mm-hmm. a kid is a relative term, I've seen them at all ages. You got the whiz kid with the data and the technical understanding, but they can't find their way out of a paper bag. So it really is something where we need to talk about not only the ability to do the technical things, whether it's programming or data manipulation, but also utilizing it. So I think that's where I wanna start and acknowledge it because technology is gonna come up constantly over the next three weeks. So just acknowledge that it's here. It's not going anywhere. You need this very well represented on the team that you're building.
0: Yeah. And I do want to jump ahead with even how Conley is going to talk about that in his book with the, the reality that having digital skills is no longer a differentiator. To be in the workforce and in the world today, you have to have some level of digital skill. And so instead of hiring people that have it anymore, there's kind of this underlying expectation that we're all learning some of what how to use it but then you need the people that know how to manipulate it and then you need the people that know how to turn it off and so you start to having the, have this necessary blend of you know there was the generation that built it the generation that got mastered by it and the generation that's now learning to master it and when you combine it all to say technical skill is a must but how we approach it, how we manipulate it, how we think about it is something that the generations are gonna do best together. And so having just experience in that and an open dialogue about that is critical to having a team that's generationally in the conversation. And so um, Conley calls that your DQ, like everybody, which makes me think Dairy Queen, but he is not talking about Dairy Queen and a chocolate chip cookie dough blizzard and chocolate ice cream. He is talking about digital knowledge and then how we understand it and talk about it. And of course, that comes immediately from the reference to EQ, which is the other piece that Laura and I wanna offer as a necessary component to building this team. Not only do you need the technical experience and the technical skills, you need the relationship experience. So when we start talking about these um, boomers and even, you know, Gen Xers that have some more just hands down experience and networks and things that have taken time to build, how does that relation experience play with a generation who's paying more attention to relationships in the workplace and, but having that EQ conversation at play.
1: Well, and I think with EQ, it's the relationship management, and it's also that innate sense of understanding what other people are thinking or feeling, right? So you want to have a relationship you manage, but... there is something to be said for the fact that each of these generations has a different capability when it comes to the way that they read others and it's so important to have someone with that skill on your team right so just like you need to have the technical skills like we just talked about you've got to have folks that can do the thing like sit in a room and without any words being spoken overtly they can understand people understand people's positions or stances just based on the tone that the Data is being discussed in based on body language, based on you know the little reflections or word choice. The ability to see that is a gift that each generation has mastered differently and in some cases they just haven't mastered it and that's okay um but i think it's so important that along with dq we have this really nice piece of eq understanding that's on your team and that we figure out how each generation brings some visibility to that because i would even tell you that there's a next level of eq coming and it's how do you understand the emotions and the mindset of others when you cannot get the inflection of the voice or the glint in the eye to make the understanding. When you have to read type or assess a photo, I'm thinking about the Snapchat yeah. generation, right? When these are the ways that you're assessing the the situation in which you work, right? It's bad enough that we have to interpret emails, right? But that's like the old school version of it. Now we're talking about like, what can I understand from the time of day that this was sent? The medium they chose to send it in even, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these things are all tells and relate back to eq and every generation has something unique to bring there and i would actually tell you that while the boomers and the xers are really known for having very strong eq and well honed eq there's a lot to learn from these millennials and zers because they're picking up on different cues that don't even occur to those generations so again this is a rounded out topic but one you must make sure is covered in addition to the technical
0: Yeah, okay. So Laura, basically we're saying if you're gonna assemble this team, you gotta pay attention to EQ, you gotta pay attention to DQ. We've really kind of run right over IQ. Is there anything else you would add in this must have focus?
1: (laughs) I don't think we can ignore IQ and you're right to point it out, right? I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, you do need to be able to think, understand and learn. And this is actually, again, a place, this is one that concerns me with some of the older generations as they start to reduce their presence in the workforce, because these are engineers, not that we're not training engineers today, but these are experienced engineers, right? These are folks that took to their craft and have honed it over decades. In comparison to the generation that I represent, for example, Gen X, where we're known for job hopping, in contrast, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the... Crazy bus example for most people, or excuse me, example of what Gen X isn't in this category. I am seen as a nut job when people realize I've been with the same company for 21 years. It's the antithesis of what my generation has done because the stats are that we leave every five years to six years at the most, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think when it comes to IQ, the book learning is important, of course, (laughs) but I do think that this concept of having stayed with a topic and understanding all facets of it and really having experiential knowledge is incredibly important. So as we continue to develop and build our teams, and even as we think about, to reference the book that we're launching this week, the this month, The Making of the Modern Elder, how do we invite elders in that are going to help transfer some of that IQ into what we do? So it's not just about soft skills development. Some of that is also about hard skill development and how important it is that we make sure future generations understand those things.
0: Mm. Okay. I'm loving this, Laura. I just have to say on a personal level, this is really hands-on. I could talk about this for a really long time because we're in the midst of an like reorganizing our organization and switching roles around and i this is just very crucial conversation of how you're building a team across all these generations and even going into a hiring process and changing some of your biases in terms of going i need someone who's this age because they bring this um so I, i i'm leaning in and i think other people are too so that's the focus of the starting to build this team, let's flip the script a little bit really quickly, Laura, to what are the things we have to say no to if we're gonna avoid the traps of generational divide?
1: So I'm gonna start with what I think is evident from some of the things I just offered. We can't learn from each other's generations without a willingness to learn, a theme I come back to so much in almost any topic, I find a way to get here. But I think part of your just say no Thank you, Nancy Reagan, circa 1980s. (laughs) Part of just saying no to getting the perfect generational team is acknowledging that no matter what the generation, if you've got folks that lack both the curiosity and the humility that is necessary to learn from others, whether they're older, younger, or the same age, if they don't bring curiosity and humility to the table, you need to be willing to walk away. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in order for us to really build a team like this that's going to work, that's going to learn, that's going to grow, that's going to intermesh all these different things, you have to have those things, curiosity and humility. So just say no if someone cannot demonstrate those things readily.
0: Yes. And in both directions, they have to have the curiosity and humility to engage with the ones who are older, the ones who are younger. Laura, this takes me right back to the confidence conversation we just finished having. If you're not curious enough to both own what you do know and also what you don't know and have an eagerness for both, then you're in trouble. So, and then I think the other one that's the ready example of just say no to people that require their way or the highway when you've got someone who says nope this is how we did it in my day or this is how my generation is doing it now and they just have a mentality of it's only this way it eh, out of here not helpful
1: yeah completely not helpful we do not need folks that are entrenched in the way it was um Nor do we need folks entrenched in the way they think it should be right so the I would say the reverse is true of almost all of these. Um, If in any form of my way or the highway is not welcome um, on a team that you're going to build this way, so I think again we get to that, are you willing to be curious and humble. Are you willingness to think about things differently and then i'm going to go right to the next part, which is, are you willing to share and give of yourself. And I think this can apply whether we're talking general, like general general, I've got to work on this, Jen, generational (laughs) leadership, whether we're talking about generational leadership or really any kind, if there's an unwillingness to give of yourself, to pass on to other generations. So this isn't just about receiving through curiosity and humility, it's also about giving. You have to have the confidence, like you just said, and the wherewithal to understand what needs to be shared to make others successful. You cannot hold the keys to the kingdom all for yourself.
0: Yes, that is very well said. Okay, all right, so we've got a conversation going. We're gonna flesh this out in the weeks to come of how these generations interplay, how we build these teams, Um, The things we look to avoid next week, we're going to go and take a deep dive into the way we build on the strengths of a generation for a strong team. So we're going to look even more into what we kind of quickly did today of describing these generations, but really what are the strengths that we need to use, 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 use. Um, Again, it just goes back to all of that strengths finder and just focusing on strengths. There are generational strengths that we want to play on for the benefit of the team. So this has been a fun start, Laura. I'm really glad you brought this topic to the table and look forward to continuing it next week. But now a quick visit to Memory Lane.
1: Jen, today on Memory Lane, I wanna walk down baby boomer memories. And I find myself thinking as we develop this series about the fact that one of the things that characterizes the baby boomer generation is their commitment to relationships. So right away I go, okay, our parents, generation these are the boomers right Mm -hmm. so you and i spent our entire life living the children of boomers lifestyle and i feel like we could go on forever about memories that are all about relationship building but i'm gonna start and just offer one quick one and i think about it when we were kids one of our favorite things was that every year on the day after thanksgiving so that friday Our mom and her sister would go do their Black Friday shopping early morning, but then everybody on that side of the family, and I'm talking everybody, carloads of us, would all meet and in the once upon long ago days we would drive out into the country to a um to tree farms and get our christmas trees together so that to me is like the epitome of baby boomers and relationships and how important things like that were like we didn't even do that as our core four um as it you mom dad and myself but we did that with the entire extended family in the name of relationships and familial love and it's such a great memory and has built lasting extended family relationships that i that are unique Yeah, because again, I mean, it was a generation that was born coming out of
0: World War II. People came home, we had this massive baby boom, and they really grew up with uh, a focus and a heightened appreciation for the family we have, and building those circles and valuing that time. And so the number of family traditions that existed among extended families were huge, and our parents definitely exemplified that, but they also as boomers exemplified that value of building relationships beyond your family into social circles. And so, Laura, I I was little when we lived in Walnut Bottom, but some of my earliest memories are of our parents dressing in crazy costumes to do things without us. And when I say costumes, I'm thinking specifically of the murder mystery parties that you they needed would to get go specific to. specific fast, thank right, you, Right, exactly. So like they would do murder mystery parties with their friends. Our parents initiated volleyball leagues. And I mean, you know, and it was just more of this recreational thing that was less about the activity and more about the value that they were placing on building networks and investing in relationships. And that was very much something you and I observed with our our Boomer parents.
1: I know I'm really thankful about it. And I I don't know that I always think about the fact that I'm so thankful that there was such an investment in relationship that came out of that generation. Um, And I take very seriously the need to carry that forward. But those are just some really fun examples. Of course, many, many examples of building relationships over food, including the day before tree day, Thanksgiving. We (laughs) ate all the Thanksgiving foods at all the houses and all the churches and all the places. um, And then sometimes had a pizza chaser at the end of the night back at grandma and grandpa's house. Um, There was never any doubt that we were well fed on that day. The Gilmores had no idea um, (laughs) when they filmed that Thanksgiving (laughs) episode, how many Thanksgiving dinners you could get down. But I love it, right? We have these memories of church of um, being in the multi-purpose rooms of churches the fellowship hall as we called them then and eating with a hundred plus people relatives that we would literally only see of that day of the year along with all of our other family members in other contexts so today on memory lane a nice reflection I think for me and an appreciation for the value that the baby boomer generation put on relationships and the way that set the tone for us as we grow up so I hope that's been kind of a fun, reflective walk on the lane. What do you think, Jen?
0: I love it. Thanks for joining us on Memory Lane. Thanks so much for listening and joining us for the first part of our series on generations in the workplace, babies, bathwater, and millennials. We've had a great time today and I hope you have too. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think and helped you grow in your industrious life. We would love for you to invite others into the conversation as well. So share on whatever platforms your generation likes to share all of the things and we'll see you next time.